Well, good morning. It's good to be here with you. We are uh, launching a new series this morning. We're doing a two-week series, okay? We're going to get this ministry year launched, set up right, and uh, the series is called God's Heart, My Heart. Like, let's make sure we understand before we move into this ministry year, just who is our God, and so then what's he calling for us to be and do with him? All right. God's heart, my heart. That's where we're getting started. I'm looking forward to walking through these next couple of weeks as we set up the ministry year. Hey, God's been doing some big things in this past year. And as we grand opened here and we just continue to uh, move through a depth with one another, there's been uh, a lot of life that's been experienced in this past year, a lot of pain that's been experienced within our body. Let's make sure this whole thing's done for our God. Amen. That's what we're looking for. So God's heart, my heart. So uh, here we go. We're going to get started right away this morning. God's heart, a heart of love. Turn with me to Luke chapter 15, verse 11. Luke 15, verse 11. We got the ushers coming forward. They've got uh, Bibles in their hands. So if you need a Bible, just raise your hand and they'll get one to you. Luke 15, verse 11. This story is named the prodigal son. Many of you have heard of it. And uh, I just want to tell you, it's probably the worst named story ever. All right, and we're going to get to that in just a second. The prodigal son. So uh, let's just deal with this on the front of your notes there. Uh, we're going to do it a little differently. First, we're going to define the story and walk all the way through the story. And then we're going to go to some applicational stuff. All right. So walking through the story, the first statement, what is the context? Never just dive into a story, not knowing at all why it's there. All right. Context. And uh, so here's the context. It's verses one and two. Luke 15, one and two. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear Jesus Christ. And the Pharisees and the scribes, well, they grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners, and he eats with them. Context. All right? Jesus Christ is meeting with tax collectors and sinners, and the Pharisees can't believe it. They're appalled. Let's make sure we grasp why here. Tax collector. Like, this is the guy who collects taxes and so that alone might be a little bit of a problem right you're fed up with all you have to pay and and you may have already heard that that not only did they collect taxes but they also collected more than what was due and they would put the the press down on and they would get extra coin and that's how they made their money is what they drew as extra that's all true stuff as well but that's not really what got them the most upset Tax collectors, we need to understand what was going on in that time frame. You have Rome taking over the world. They were running things from basically what is today England all the way through India and all of the land in between being run by them. And they decided there was one way to run it with an iron fist. We will make clear that we mean business. So every town they took over, every city they went into, they would punish They would bring pain. They would whip. They would beat. In fact, often they would take men, women, and children, and they would crucify them on the road on the way in so that as you came in and out of the city, you saw who was in charge. Rome. The tax collectors decided to be the Jewish people. They represented the Jews, and they went to these people who murdered, who crucified, who whipped and beat and mistreated our people, and you're going to go make money from them. Tax collectors, you're meeting with 
tax collectors and sinners. Now, today we hear the word sinner and we think, you know, like sinners, we're all sinners. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. We're all sinners. Let's admit that. Right. And and, uh, but that's not what was meant here. This was a class of people at that time. This was a group of people who were known for their sin. Well, how were they known for it? Not because people saw them doing sins, but because they saw what they believed to be God's punishment on them. These were people who were poverty stricken. These were people who were um, somehow um, hit with disease or crippled. These were people who showed physical ailment or hurt in some way. And they said, See, even God has something wrong with these people. Sinners. They were a class of people that were hurting and struggling. And uh, instead of having a heart for them, they judged them and saw them as God judging over them. I got to tell you, uh, I would have been classified as a sinner. Uh, born with a hand that's not normal, if you want to say it that way. Right. And, and because I was born with this congenital defect, is it, is it his parents or is it his him? Who is it? Somebody's sinning there. And, uh, and I'm telling you, this passage hits near and dear to my heart. Tax collectors and sinners were gathering near to Jesus Christ to hear him. And the Pharisees were judging context. All right. So verse 11, let's get started. What's the story? It says, and Jesus said to them, he's teaching them now in a parable. Jesus said to them, there was a man who had two sons. Uh, can you see how the story is set up? The, the subject, the mainline subject, there was a man. Oh, by the way, he had two sons. The, the story here is about the man and his heart. Okay. And, and there are two sons and we're going to see those and we're going to see how he interacts with those. But the man is the mainline character. The main character is the father in this story. All right. It says in verse 12, and the younger of the sons said to his father, father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. The younger son went to his dad and said, hey, dad, give me the inheritance. You know, the stuff that I'm supposed to get when you die. Here's another thing he was saying. Basically, you're dead to me. I don't care about life with you. I don't care about living with you. Give me what I'd get if you were gone. You're dead to me. Please give me my inheritance. And the father, it says he divided the property. But notice where he divided it. It says between them. Pay attention to that. That means both the older son and the elder son did get their inheritance. And just so you know, an elder son would get two thirds of the property and the younger son would get one third. All right. And so the elder son, which we're going to see come up a little later, two thirds of the property is in his hands. Now father divides it up and one third goes to the younger. I got to tell you at the point that Jesus is telling the story, the Pharisees are like, he said, what? How dare he say that to his father? All right, you tell me the rest of this story, right? That's where we're at. That's what's going on as the Pharisees are hearing what's coming down. It says, not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. There he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. He took his property... He took his money, his valuables, and he went to a faraway country. It doesn't say why, but uh, I got to tell you, 
If your plan is to live in reckless sin, you probably don't want to do that where everywhere you go, you're running into people you know. Know what I'm saying? You turn the corner, you're going down, you're like, I'm going over to, hey, Bill, how's it going? Right? You're like, this is not comfortable. I'm out of here, right? And I'm sure that's part of it is he's trying to get out of the area. And the other part is maybe he's just like, it's time for me to see the world. And uh, we don't know what's going on in his head, but he decides to go away to a far country and he lives in squandering and reckless living. What does that mean? It means he lived it all for self and self-pleasure. It means he was willing to spend it on self and self-pleasure so that in the end of the day, he could say, that felt good today. And it's all about me anyway, and so that was cool. And he's not worried at all about where this money might be going to or that it is going away slowly. It says, when he had spent everything, uh, when he had spent how much? That's a lot to spend. When he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country. Okay, Just so you know, often a famine is an indicator that God is actually working with that nation and challenging them in their sin. We don't know what's going on here, but I know this. Wherever he went, sin was readily available to dive into. He dove into it, and here comes famine. He's got no preparation ahead of time. He's now hurting and struggling. This kid's in need, and uh, big need. And he's away from home. Little Jewish boy. Trying to figure out his way, right? Verse 15. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country. Now imagine you're one of the Pharisees. You're like, finally, he's come to his senses a little bit. Time to work, boy. Get out there and make a little something. You're hard up, then make some money. Good for you. And so he's hired out. And the man, it says, sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. Oh. Now, we have to understand the way they were thinking at that time. The Pharisees working through the law, the pig could not have been a more ex- uh, worse example of uncleanness. All right? Horribly unclean animal. Never have anything to do with them. And he's like, I, I have nothing else but to go work with the uncleanest of the unclean. He has fallen from a son with his father at a home doing life where things are going well to I've wasted everything. I've declared my dad dead and I'm living in the squander and the squalor of this horrible place in a pigsty as I'm working with the unclean. And notice it says, and he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. Please note it says he was longing to be fed. It doesn't even say he ate them. Like he wasn't even getting them. No one gave him anything. He's sitting there like literally feeding these pigs in the filth. He's got muck all over. Have you ever been around pigs? Do you know what I'm talking about? When you get near a hog farm, man, you know it from like miles away. Can you imagine what this boy was smelling like? As he's hanging right in the muck, as he's feeding them right where he stands, and he's holding the pods, and he's giving it to them, and literally it says, um, but when he came to himself, he said, when he came to himself, that's one of those moments where all of a sudden, common sense comes crashing into your everyday living. Have you ever had one of those moments? He's sitting there with pods in one hand, and 
filth out there in front of him and he's throwing these things and watching them eat it and making the sounds that pigs make as they're snarfing it. And he's like, I wish I could have some. And then he picks another one up and he's about ready to take a bite. And he's like, what am I thinking? Right? How dare I even think this? What am I doing? He's come to his senses. It says, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. Why in the world am I here? I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, right? This is that moment where everyone's been in trouble and they didn't want to admit it. And you finally realize it's time to fess up and get it clean. And you're like, okay, here's what I'm going to say to dad, right? This is where he's at. He says, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. This is what he's planning to say. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Look, I've declared you as dead, dad. I understand there's punishment in that, but could you at least just treat me as a hired servant where the hunger can be resolved? I'm sorry I've been wrong. And notice it says I've sinned against heaven. That's a nice way for them to say against God himself and against you, Father. And uh, treat me as one of your hired servants. It says, and he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. Okay. How in the world did his dad see him from a far way off? It was one of these going on. Every day he's working in the field, whatever he's doing, whatever he's throwing, he's doing this. Right? He's continuing to work and he's continuing to check. And one day... Oh! 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 My son is here! Can you imagine that moment? Let those feelings settle in. Your son has declared you dead and he's left you. He's going to spend whatever he wants to spend. He's leaving your side forever. And all of a sudden you see him on the horizon making one giant declaration of wrong. And he's just pointing out... And the feelings overwhelm him. It says that his father saw him and felt compassion. This overwhelming sense of, I can't believe the horror my son is in. I can't even imagine how the kid was walking as he's coming home with all those miles that he's gone and the filth upon him and the, and he felt compassion. It says, and he ran and embraced him and kissed him. Now, you got to get this straight. No right-sounding older gentleman who owns property runs. That just wasn't Jewish cool. You know what I'm saying? You don't do that, man. You're supposed to take your time and, you know, just ease your way over there. Instead, he runs. And let me tell you, they're working in robes all day long. That means the dude's hiking up robe and he's hauling across an open field. You got mud flying off the back of him. He's flipping around in the field and he's getting over there like, I can't believe it. And he gets up to him and he doesn't stop and goes, oh, how was your day? Right? He gets there and he's like, arms around him, pulls him in. Remember the filth. And the smell and the unclean of the pigs. And he yanks that boy close to him and grabs him in close. Embraces him with all he's got and just lays on a kiss. Who knows what kind of mud came off on him after that, right? He is not about the clean. 
He's about the kid. And he pulls him in close with all he's got and he holds him tight and lets him know that he is loved and he's been waited for. Notice it says, and the son said to the father, and then he goes through a rehearsed statement. And I swear to you, there's nothing that says this in the scripture, but I'm sure it sounded like this. Oh, father, I sinned against you. I just got him in an embrace, man. He's not letting him go. He's trying to go through the speech and he's talking right into the dad's shoulder, man. And all you're hearing is like, I'm going the dad's like, servants, bring the best robe and you put it on him. You put a ring on his hand and shoes on my boy's feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate for this day. My son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. I'm telling you in that moment, the dad was experiencing the depth of loss of his child. And all of a sudden he sees him on the horizon. He's asked by his son to pretend he's not his son. And he's like, forget you. You're my boy. I'm dressing you up with everything I've got. I'm putting back on you what belongs on you. A ring on your finger, a robe on you, and shoes on your feet. You are my son. Story doesn't end there. Story keeps going. It says, now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. I'm telling you, this celebration that the father called for was an unhooked, nothing paralleled party going on. You know what I'm saying? He says that he, he killed the fattened calf. You know what that means? Notice it says the fattened calf, not a, the. We have one that we've really been treating well. So picture it. There's like these giant fillets and they're being cooked to a perfect medium rare. And for those who have ordered medium well, they've gotten it butterfly cut and they're, they're laying it out with a little bit more medium well and the smoke is coming up and the T-bones are laying on one side and right. And the sirloins over here, people are like, I don't even want sirloin. Give me the T-bones. Give me the right. Just load this steak on, man. This is one big giant steak based all out party. For a kid who's woken up to his father is and what sin is. It says his older son heard that music and dancing as he was coming in from the field. He called one of the servants and asked him what these things mean. Uh, how typical of the self-righteous that you don't go to the father and ask him what's going on. You don't walk in and see what's happening. Instead, you stand off to the side and you call one of the servants over and say, you inform me what's happening. I should have known what's going on. Now, what's going on here? And the servant says, your brother has come home. You got to picture this guy. The servant just came out of the steak party, man. There's like juices running down him. He's holding on to a cup of something that he was drinking. We don't know what. And he's in there and he's like, you got to come in. The celebration's on. Your son, your, your brother's home, man. And he's alive and, and your dad's celebrating. And 
And your brother has come, your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. And the older brother was angry and refused to go in. Angry. What? Like, the servant's going, seriously, come on in. And the brother goes, mm-mm, no, I am not going near that. Mm-mm, come on, man, come on. Don't talk to me. I turn my back on that whole party. Can you imagine? Meanwhile, as he turns around, it's still, right? Dude, you're not changing a thing. The party's going on. You're missing out, right? And it says his father came out and entreated him. Don't ever, ever forget that part of that verse. His father came out to the self-righteous, self-absorbed son and invited him in too. Are you hearing it? I love you. Come on in. I'm celebrating my mercy and the life in my child. Come on in. And uh, the elder son answered him. Get ready. Look at these words. He starts out. Look. <laughs> what? <laughs> How many times? Remember when the, when the prodigal son came in, stuck in his filth, he said, Father. Right? Where's the father? Where's the daddy? Where's the sir? Where's something? Look. Can't you just picture the finger pointing? Look. Statement. These many years I have served you. And I never disobeyed your command. Really? Never? You were perfect. Isn't that? When you talk to a self-righteous person, they have no recollection of said event. You know what I'm saying? Like, really, don't you remember when? Mm-mm, I don't remember that. Perfect. Right here. And uh, I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. That is pathetic. Go ahead. Everybody say pathetic. I agree with you. Can you believe this? The fattened calf celebration is going on. And he's upset that he doesn't have his own little goat to go out with. Notice, my friends. It's not about you, dad. It's about me and my friends. And I wasn't lifted up. And I'm not happy about it. Um, Next statement, verse 30. But when this son of yours came, notice he doesn't say, when my brother came. When this son of yours came, I I won't even own that man. When the son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. Uh, A few words to throw out on the elder son here. Uh, Dissatisfied, absolutely. Uh, Disrespectful, absolutely. Uh, Disowning, absolutely. His self-righteousness put him in a corner, ignoring the party and waiting for it to be all about him. The father said to him, son, notice the answer, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. 
It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this. Your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost. And now he's found. And. But it's sad. What did the elder son do? What was his decision? And Jesus is like. Pharisees. You are the elder son. And the party's going on for the tax collectors and sinners who have come home. And the celebration is being ripped. And you're being invited in. Question. What will you do? And the story ends. This is the story of the prodigal son. That's why I say it's the worst story ever named. This is the story of an awesome, merciful father and his gracious willingness to celebrate with us with all we have. This is a story of a God who loves his people and is longing for relationship with them. Don't hear me wrong. God is not in need of our relationship, but he is willing to pour on us with all he's got. And it's our job to recognize that walking back in and going, look, is not the position. It's our job to recognize that we come back in humbly, filthy. He did not come in cleaned up. Filthy, saying, I am here. And Father, forgive me, I am wrong. And I've lived my own life and I'm sick of it. Please forgive me. All right. Three perspectives that we can grab here. Three things that we need to think about as we move through this. Ready? Number one, get perspective. Your situation is dire and the father's heart is open, willing, and forgiving. Get perspective. Your situation is dire and the father's heart is open, willing, and forgiving. Remember the context. We have tax collectors and sinners here. We have a man in his filth in his muck, in the self-pleasure, making much of me is his game plan. And the dad hikes a robe, runs back with all he's got, embraces the filth, and pulls him in close and celebrates with him. That's the perspective we need to have of a God who is so willing to forgive. It's unbelievable. Verses 11 through 22, I'll point this out, and I'm just telling you this. You've been living in stuff that's all about you. What is it? You've been making life more about you than you ever should. Where and how? It's time to be laying that at the Father's feet. And for some of you, this might be the very first time ever where you're considering that. But you've been living a life that's against where he stands. You effectively stood up and said, you're dead to me. And I'll live as I want. And went off to live what was good for you in your mind. Be careful. Our position before God is one. We are in dire straits without him. And we need our savior, our king. My request to you is this, see your God as all good and everything you need. That's the perspective. See your God as all good and everything you need. 
What a starting point for worship, right? Second applicational step. Stop seeing God as unwilling. The Father is willing to forgive you no matter how horrible the past offenses. Stop seeing your God as unwilling. The Father is willing to forgive you no matter how horrible these past offenses. Verses 23 and 24. Listen, we better get this straight. I just wrote this down. The prodigal son, these are the things he did. He stepped on his father's honor. He declared his dad dead. He took property that was not rightly his. He wasted his life's possessions. He lived in wretched uncleanness. All for self-pleasure and self-glory. That's what he did it for. All for him. He lived it out. And yet the father ran to him and embraced him and pulled him into this home and called him son. That's our forgiving God, willing in anything to release it. You don't know my sin, Tim. You don't know what I've done. And uh, I've gone down the route of anesthetizing in life, covering it up. And man, alcohol out of control, drugs beyond measure, blowing up on the stuff, man. Sex has become that thing I use on the side just to make me feel good about me, the end. And anesthetizing it all away. and uh, Or I'm living in a way just to make life comfortable. And some of the stuff I've stepped into, I don't know if I can forgive myself. And you don't know that, that I've been involved in an abortion. And I've lost my little child and I didn't protect their life. And you don't know the choices I've made. You're right, I don't. But I know the God who I'm asking you, I'm pleading with you to run to with all you have. It is time to be done claiming the shame. And it is time to claim your king. Live with him. Celebrate him. Worship him. Dude, I'm telling you, you don't know me. It was last night. I barely got home in time to get here this morning because I was out partying. And yes, I get it. And the father hikes his robe and runs to you. When the statement is, Father, please forgive me. I am wrong for where I was. I've made it all about me and I'm done with it. I have sinned against you and you alone. No more. I want to make you my God. Our God is willing to forgive with all we've got. That's our God's heart. Please be careful. This is not where we stop and say, great, then go ahead and forgive while I continue in my sin. That's not forgiveness. You're missing it. And one thing the Pharisees were crying for and upset with as they heard this story was, that's not even fair. That's wrong. Justice hasn't been done. That kid wronged people. How does he pay the price for that? And here's the answer. They're staring in the eyes of Jesus Christ. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And they missed it. 
Like God the Father's embracing because God the Son has paid the penalty. Price paid, sin covered, it's done. Run to him, claim that and be over with. His blood on the cross for us. Shed him, risen from the dead. There is life and power in our Jesus Christ. And that's why we worship him. And God the Father saying, through that shed blood, through that forgiveness, I embrace you as my kid. I clothe you, I robe you, I give you rings, I give you shoes, and you're mine for eternity. That's our God's love, amen? Do not ever declare that some sin in your life is just too big. Get ready to set it down right now. Put it before him and be done. You're my God. Stop seeing God as unwilling. That's number two. Number three, stop seeing God as unnecessary. The Father is willing to forgive you no matter how arrogant the self-righteousness. Stop seeing God as unnecessary. The Father is willing to forgive you no matter how arrogant the self-righteousness. Hey, this comes right out of 25 through 32. This is the elder son standing there saying, look, I don't need you and I don't need your party. Oh, he's mistaken. And how many in this room right now are saying, I've lived a worthy life. I've lived a good enough life. And you owe me. Look, I'm not getting on a knee and I'm not worshiping you. You're going to make much of me. That's my plan. And uh, let me tell you something. That plan goes nowhere. We serve an almighty king. And there is one celebration going on, the one that makes much of him. That's what's going on. Set down the self-righteousness. Stop the earning it game plan. Look, the first one is there's no such thing as I'm not good enough. The second one is there's no such thing as I am good enough. There is strictly this. You, my God, are the only one good enough. And I worship you. All right? God's heart, a willingness to forgive in it. I just wrote this. The self-righteous, um, this is their problem. They don't want to make much of God in his universe. They want to make much of themselves in their little universe. Is that you? Trying to figure out which way you can go, what decisions you can make so that God is proud of you and so that God looks at you and lavishes on you so that others around you show you respect and you're the one who actually is in the corner going, what's he doing spending time with them? Be very careful. If that's you, it's time to set that down as well and be done with the judgment and the earning and put it all in his, at his feet and say, you're in charge. Self-righteous, I wrote this as well. Clean on the outside, but enemies of the gospel by exalting your moral behavior is reason enough to be saved. Enemies of the gospel by exalting your moral behavior is enough to be saved. Uh-uh. Jesus Christ and his shed blood alone. That's where it's all at. I just want to summarize it this way. Uh, there's three people in this church right now. Three types of people, all right? Number one, the person that walks in and goes, uh, I do not belong here. I have no clue why I'm here and I have no business in this room. I'm 
a friend invited me or I heard about it and I think I'm walking out right after this and please know this, you belong here. We all need a savior. Number two, the second person walking in going, what are they doing here? All right. Some of you are in here. Put down your thumb and stop pointing at others and start measuring your heart and where you're at with your God. What are they doing here? The simple question is they're here like you are in need of a savior. And then the third type of person walks in and goes, I am not good enough and I've walked away from my king, but Lord, you're in charge. I'm throwing myself at your feet and this is the one I want to make much of. I celebrate my God and I worship him with all I've got. That's why I'm here. I'm telling you, that person's worship is on fire. And my prayer is that we have more and more number threes going on all the time. More people grasping that it's all about their king and worshiping him. So who are you? One, two, or three. And please note, every single one of them needs to end in the same spot. You're in charge, God. Your heart's amazing, Lord. And I'm in awe. Well, how do I become that number three guy, Tim? I don't know how I even get there. I'm sitting in filth and shame, and I don't even know what to do next. Let's just close it down by this. Let's talk about how to become an on-fire worshiper for Jesus Christ, making much of him and celebrating him. All right? And uh, we've said it this way before. We say it's not easy, but it's as simple as A, B, C, right? Uh, A, admit that I'm in need. Admit that I'm a sinner. And uh, let's just put it this way in the prodigal son terms. Come to your senses, right? Admit, it's not about me. I can't get it done. I need my God to forgive me. And B is believe, Believe that he has risen from the dead. Believe that there is power in his name. Believe that you can be forgiven because of his work on the cross. It's simply this. You've got the power, Lord, and I need you. I desperately need you. I admit I need you and I long to have you and see is confess. Confess him as your Lord. In other words, you're in charge. I absolutely will follow you. What you say goes. What you want done is done. You're my God. And I'm following you with all I have. That's saved. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If we believe that God raised him from the dead, if we confess him as Lord, we will be saved. That's starting the number three path of on fire with your God. Here's my request this morning. Let's start this ministry year off with a bang in your life. Let's get everything clean between you and God right now. I'm just going to ask the worship team to come on up. And uh, they're going to just get set. They're going to be playing a little bit underneath here as we just spend some time. This is between you and God now. It's time for some closed eyes, bowed heads, and let's just do some talking with him, all right? Listen, some of you right now have heard these words and you're literally thinking this, boy, that would be great if that's true. I'm telling you it's true right out of the word of God. 
that your God is ready to run to you and throw his arms around you. And now is the moment to be done with the battling. What sin have you been participating in? What stuff have you been a part of where it's time to let it go? And let him be in charge. So let's just start from the top down. Maybe you have never even committed to him in the first place. I don't even know what it means to be a follower of Christ or to be saved. Right now is the time. So do me a favor. If you've trusted in Christ as your savior, start praying now. If you believe in Jesus Christ as God almighty, be praying that he move in this room right here and right now. And that if there's even one that the Holy Spirit can move mightily, be praying now. And if you have not trusted in Christ, if this this morning rocked your world on, oh my word, my God's willing to forgive, right now's your time to hand it to him. Be done. Say, I need you. I long for you to be in my life. Please forgive me of my sin. If you're in that spot and that's where your heart is, you're like, I don't know what to do next. Why don't we just do this? Tell them through a prayer. Prayers don't save. Don't hear me the wrong way. It's not, I pray to prayer sometime. It's, this is a way of starting it up and firing it up. Just pray this with him and pray after me. I'll pray some words and you tell him right where you are, just saying these words. Dear Heavenly Father, I've been wrong. I've been in sin. I've gone my own way. I admit it. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose from the dead. Please forgive me. Use your shed blood to replace what I owe. I'm the prodigal son and I'm coming home. Please embrace me and love me. I'm sorry. In your mighty forgiving name, I pray these things. Amen. Just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Do me a favor. If you just prayed that prayer, if you've just committed to Christ, let me know so I can pray for you, will you? Just raise your hand right where you are. A first step to saying, Lord, I'm following you. Amen. I see that hand. Amen. Amen. See those hands. I'm going to pray for you. Amen. See your hand. Amen. If you just committed to say, Lord, I'm coming home. Don't miss out on this opportunity. Now's the time. Come to your king and your God who forgives. Commit to him now, will you? If you prayed that prayer, if you are committing now, just raise your hand and let me know. Amen. I see that hand on. Amen. I see that hand. 
And God's moving in this place. Man, see you, bro. Man. And we serve an amazing God. Come rushing to his side right now, will you? There is no sin big enough. He's got them all covered. And he loves you with all he's got. Anybody else? I don't want to miss anyone. Okay. Man, we would love to talk with you afterwards if you made this commitment. Come to us. Let us know. Let's talk as pastors. I would love to talk with you and pray with you afterwards. You matter, all right? We love you. We want to help you take those next steps with your king. Let me just do this now. For those who have found themselves, you're like, yeah, I've trusted in Christ. I get that. But I'm telling you, I think I've been standing on the outside. I haven't been making much of the celebration of my God. And I'm in. It's time for me to make much of my king and his forgiveness. Lord, forgive me for becoming self-righteous. It's over. You have my heart. Man, if you're in that spot, just talk to your king now and tell him. Let him know. You're done. That's some good confession, some breathing out, as we call it, time to breathe in. Let's just take a moment here. Tell your God how awesome he is, will you? Worship him now. Thank him for his forgiveness. Praise Him for His sacrifice. Appreciate Him as Redeemer and glorious Savior, forgiving God. Just thank Him where you are quietly. He's hearing your every word. to stand where we are, okay? And I'm going to close in prayer here. Just just stand up. Let's go to our King in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are in awe of you. Lord, we, we worship you. We thank you for this story so clear of your love for us, so powerful of the forgiveness you have for us that we can take sin run to your side and drop it down that you embrace us in our filth and that you clean us up that we are yours and you are our God Lord we worship you in this place we celebrate the names who have now committed their lives to you today who have said you're my king please forgive me Lord, my prayer for them is simply this. May there be such a rich and powerful and and unbelievable experience with you in these upcoming days and weeks as they find you to be the God who is literally celebrating them while they make much of you. Lord, we're in awe that we can have peace in the midst of storm. That when there is nowhere else to go, we have you. That you are our salvation and our hope. And you are our almighty king. Lord, this place worships you. We are on fire for you. 
And we celebrate your almighty name. And all of God's people said, Amen.